It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, back from Berlin, but Anne Thompson is not. She's somehow still out there. So, Anne, how are things in the second half of the festival out there? Well, when you go to a big, sprawling, metropolitan festival like this, it's really fun to learn the ropes, you know, to figure out how it works, to figure out yeah. where you are. <laughs> you, yeah, you were losing your Berlin virginity last time we spoke. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've gotten the hang of it more or less, but there, there's, um, you know, there's some weird oddities of, of like, when do they have the press screenings and when, which sections have press screenings and how do you get tickets to different venues? You know, I got shut out of the Janky because I was standing in line with a press pass, but I didn't have a ticket. So they filled up the room at the Cubics down at the Alexander Plots. The, of course. So I've been wandering around the city and learning, uh, you know, going to the Holocaust Memorial, which was very moving and and seeing the the Brandenburg Gate and the Reichstag and, and stuff like that in the middle of trying to see movies and get my work done. But as you can see, Berlin is not Cannes. I mean, you may have some weird rules and stuff, but in terms of the kind of insanity of it, you know, I mean, Cannes, to me, it took a couple of years to kind of feel comfortable in that environment. The Berlin Alla is, is a much more approachable festival in some ways because it's also for the locals and it's for so many different audiences and it's for people who are there to do business ahead of Cannes. So it is a very easy to navigate kind of environment. Relative Absolutely. Though, but, Absolutely. Yeah. I checked into the market I checked into um, a panel about 50-50 by 2020, which was really great. It gave us sort of history of the whole movement, um, which I've been writing up. Uh, women did very well um, at the Berlinale. A lot of good, strong movies from Sundance, from people like Eliza Hittman with Never Rarely, oh, no, Sometimes, Always, and, and, and the, uh, which I think may have been the best received film at the festival, I'm curious to I see if the jury be, agrees with that. Yeah. It'll you know? be interesting to see what happened. I mean, we had a great conversation over dinner with a bunch of industry people a few nights ago about sort of handicapping the uh, Golden Bear race. Apologies if that term is, is uh, anachronistic. But I think that it is important to take into account, one, juries can be very arbitrary. But two, th- this year, the, the film, I, I, I saw a lot of good films. But there are so many different modes and sensibilities, and I could see almost every single one of them dividing people with very few exceptions, and that would be the one that that, that wouldn't, I would think. So it'll be yes, interesting. So, that. uh, that's an, but the question is whether Jeremy Irons, the jury chairman, um, who has expressed views that are, are anti-abortion in the past, um, you know, he 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 has denounced himself. He says yeah, he's, he got he's ahead pro-abortion of it. now. But, <laughs> but I also know, think who knows how he reacts to this movie? You well, know, we have to also thing. acknowledge. It's, I think it's hard to 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 acknowledge this, but even if on some level this those beliefs were 
sincere, and of course they would be abhorrent if so, that it is possible for an artist with abhorrent views to also appreciate top top shelf filmmaking, and that maybe that maybe it's not the issue that one might assume from the outside in that respect. But uh, but it's also possible there could be a surprise in here. I mean, a lot of times a film that wins Golden Bear could be something like, you know, a separation, but it could also be something like Black Cold Thin Ice, a, a film that, you know, has very, you know, even to this day does not have a big profile around the world. So it can go a lot of different ways. And this competition has had so many different kinds of possibilities in that respect. I mean, you know, the, this film Down Natasha, which I, I found fascinating, is, has generated a lot of controversy and divided people, but it's such an accomplishment that it's, you know, it was shot in the Soviet factory set over the course of many years that I wonder if a jury might, you know, be really energized by something like that. You don't know. I mean, um, it's hard to, it's hard to, it is hard to sort of look at, I mean, someone like Kenneth Lonergan is going to have a, a sort of different set of demands right. um, than someone like Bernice Bejo or, or Jeremy Irons, who are actors. Or Clever Mendoza Fiojo, who is yeah, a critic. Right. So they might actually respond to something like um, uh, My Little Sister, uh, which is, it has extraordinary performances or, or even, um, the very well-reviewed uh, Christian Petzold. Yeah, um, I've been thinking about Undine. the Petzold. That Undine we, that. you and I had a little, you and I had a little argument about it earlier today. Basically, both of us, because we had been so, I think this, I'm, I, I'm speaking for you now, but because we had had such um, strong positive reaction to his last three films, Barbara, Phoenix, and Transit. You didn't see Transit though, or did you catch I up? I did. With I it? finally caught up with it, and I thought it was terrific. I think the thing with Undina this is was that you disappointing could see- in. Yeah. Yeah, Com- and, but I, in contrast, I think that even so, so I mean, I, I, di- I will dig my heels in and say that it's not exclusively context here, you know, a minor Petzl. I do think that the movie has some great filmmaking in it. The lead performance is outstanding. And the idea of a Paula woman Beer who's is sort amazing. Of, and she's yeah, only Paula 24 Beer. years old. Yeah, that's a breakout. And, and, and I think that the, the, starting point for the movie is this woman who runs tours about the history of the sort of urban landscape in Berlin, who then is sort of like haunted by uh, her investment in, in that world and the way it impacts her relationship to these two different men. And it goes some very fascinating directions, but I think and it, it goes underwater track. and it's yeah, beautiful. It's, it's beautifully there, made. It's very yeah, atmospheric, but, but she really doesn't um, make sense. In the yeah, end. it doesn't. That's a problem. It, that I think off. It, it becomes this sort of almost like shape of water it's type enigmatic. of romantic thing. And I think it's just, it's too invested in the enigma to, to make it, as gratifying as as you want it to be, and so I do. I do think but that even if it wasn't a Petzold movie, I, I'd say there's a lot. You and I there. could agree that we're disappointed by it, but there is a lot there. And the point is that the other people have reviewed it a lot better than we have, and and that is what's interesting to me. Well, uh, and until recently, also, it was at the top of the sound, uh, the uh, um, screen the sentence, grid, the, right, the screen and, grid, right. and, and the screen jury grid, and and fact. Uh, was taken over by the Eliza Hitman movie. So so we shall see. What about yeah, the Hong Sen Su? You saw that. Yeah, I, I liked it. It's got film school production values, but in the same way that when, you know, the quote-unquote mumblecore movies were breaking out 15 years ago, people were like, well, the production values aren't very good, but it's capturing something really sharp. I 
I honestly, the more that I get in, invested in Hong Sang Su's films, the more fascinated I am by him. Because even though there is this argument that he seems to make the same movie over and over again, they're really not. They're just he makes very sort of lo-fi stories about people who sit around, drink a lot, and complain about their problems. And yet, they he has very specific characters each time. And this one, I think, is is fascinating that the structure of the film is basically just a woman who goes. Her, her husband is out of town. She hasn't been away from him in five years. And she spends this time visiting three different friends. And each time she visits a friend, this really annoying man shows up and they have to deal with it. And it becomes a different man each time. But it ends up being this really fascinating kind of meditation on individualistic women and the way that men always try to kind of force themselves into the middle of situations. And But it's still very subtle. And so while I would say that, you know, it's certainly not to all tastes and there were better made movies from, you know, production value standpoint it's a it's a very intellectually honest film and I, i'm glad they put it in competition because hong sang Su really is a major director with a real clarity of vision yeah and and i know that uh it played uh his, his films have played at, at locarno so this is something that the film the yeah. uh that that carlo uh Chatrian supports and he also booked the uh my little sister uh filmmakers with their the first Swift film filmmaker right yeah, yeah. so this no, but the other Locarno thing the that lineup. i'm but a lot well you know what people are saying about this festival they're saying it feels like Locarno well I mean that's, in effect, I think it makes that's a lot exactly of what it is it is yeah. it is very much you've been there uh and I and I think that that's fair and and, and people are expecting Ber- well you think so but the people here in Berlin I'm just reflecting what I'm hearing yeah um I'm not I have nothing to compare it to except Locarno right. because I've never been to Berlin but they were expecting something more uh defined the way it was before so well, this is the I mean, risk that- when you have that's, new that's management, they have to establish themselves. But I mean, when I went to Berlin, the vitriol for the programming there, especially among locals, was deafening because there wasn't really a sense that the competition, which remember in European festivals as opposed to the U.S., the idea of being a competition film is, is such a big deal. There was no real through line to it. And there were some films that were tremendous, a Bellatar film or something like that and then there were others where it was like this random documentary and you're like why is this here and um not to you know knock documentaries but it would just be a very uneven kind of selection and i think that while they may get to the point as programmers where they could get you know some some other kinds of movies that might be a little snazzier just start as a starting point to program movies that are uh, on the level of you know global cinema, very exciting and different and will generate conversation among critics, that's a pretty good way to lay the groundwork for how to use this environment in between Sundance and Cannes to launch a range of movies that would otherwise maybe be buried in the fall season or maybe surface at Locarno where they're not going to get the same kind of platform. So no, I do it's think interesting. It's First Cow played well, the, the Sundance movie. Some people are saying that the best films here are the Sundance movies. The one that did not play well was The Roads Not Taken, the Sally Potter with Javier Bardem and Elle Fanning. And I would have to say that the um, the father that was um, in Sundance with Anthony Hopkins and um, Olivia Coleman was a much more compelling and and um, immersive uh, drama than something that kept you watching, that kept you guessing. When you start to watch this movie where this girl is taking care of her sort of mentally deranged or, or what's wrong with his brain kind of 
deteriorating dementia-ridden guy who's thinking about all these other things and he's not really there. Um, it's, 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 you know, exactly what's going to happen in the next uh, two hours. And it's really uh, kind of boring to well, have, have to, to sit assume- through it. And on some level, people know this because the film is opening in the U.S. pretty it's soon. soon. Siberia. So. Did you did you see the Abel Ferrara, which I uh, oh, yeah. basically skipped because it looked awful to me? It um, even by Abel Ferrara's standards, this is a crazy movie. Uh, it's like this Jungian mind trip in which Abel Ferrara is a kind of a bartender in the middle of a snowy landscape, wrestling with um, the regret he feels over the death of his father and relationship with other relatives and his family and his son. And he goes from his bar through a cave and on this weird dog sledding mission that at some point randomly winds up in the middle of the desert. And um, a fish speaks Hebrew in the last scene. It get there's a bear. He fights with a bear. This movie is like one nutty thing after another. And yet Defoe plays it straight and I have to say, as much as there are parts of it that are kind of so laughably absurd, you wish that they hadn't made the final cut. There's a lot to appreciate about the creative risk of this movie. And Ferrara, you know, he, to his credit, I mean, a guy at that stage of his career going for it with a movie like this is is very rare. And so, you know, I would say this is for diehards only and probably like most of his stuff. might. I do not fall in that category. Yeah, I yeah, really yeah. didn't care for Tomasio. So the Philippe Garel, the, the Salt of Tears, um, that has also been widely rejected, I have well, to say. Well, that film is opening in Paris pretty soon or in France pretty soon. So I think that it's sort of like they just want to like get it out and, and over with. But I've talked to a lot of critics who like it quite a bit because Gorel is attracts that kind of a tourist thing, you know, similar to Hong Sang Su, although Gorel has been making movies much longer in that there's a, there's a kind of consistency to the stories he tells the, these, at this point, these very kind of minimalist black and white character studies. And I think that the tone of the movie is a little hard to assess, but I did appreciate the way it's kind of like, it's it's it dwells in this kind of awful guy who thinks that he's like a romantic heartthrob but ends up alienating himself from all these people because he's just so full of himself and and in that sense it is very perceptive it's just I think I wouldn't go that far I I I found it to be a a story a familiar story oft told and not bringing any new depth to it in fact these characters were all so shallow that I hated them all it was really this too was a boring film well so one of the films I saw today which I loved was Charlatan the Agnieszka Holland which is in Marilyn Isle special gala why wasn't this in in the in the competition? It's one well, of the best be things I've seen here. I, I haven't. It's a seen Czech Charlotte. film that was yeah, um, basically a, you know a true story about this faith healer uh, who who gets into trouble with the authorities, but he also behind the scenes uh, has has a a quiet uh, strong feelings for his assistant who's really I good. Seen, I haven't seen this Charlatan, but I would say so. That there's a homosexual the subtext to the story. I haven't seen Charlatan, but I would say that the question with a film like that of why it's not in competition is is probably pretty easy to assess because the same it's in a special it has like a gala special screening slot and the same people who select the competition also do those slots unlike some of the other sections at the festival. So my guess would be they have a certain number of slots for films that they think will work in the context of competition and maybe a film like this doesn't necessarily need it to stand out and the competition itself doesn't need 
the film in a way because it, of other kinds of films in the section. Like, it'll be fine. She's a revered filmmaker. The subject matter is interesting to people, all that kind of stuff. Now, you saw Mini so, Mata, which was in this section. That was and, terrible. <laughs> and I didn't, again, I skipped that one. Did not High Ground <laughs> was okay, the Australian film. You know, Let's talk about that. the ones that we really liked, though. Gunda, the pig movie. Come on. Didn't we already do that last time? No, we, need, no, we didn't. We had Because you hadn't seen it yet. I loved it. It's really great. It's my favorite film of the whole I, festival. I really loved underplaying this movie because I wanted to see what would happen. I had really had no you idea. You were trying how it to talk play. me out of seeing it, Eric. It's a <laughs> good thing I, that I stubbornly defy you at every turn. Well, or some, maybe I knew exactly what I was doing there. You know, I don't you, think you'll so. Never know. I don't. You it, kept saying, and it's know. just a movie about a, a pig in close up. <laughs> you know, as if, well, to as be if, fair, I also had to rewatch this movie. Why is that? Because the first time I watched it, I, I appreciated the technique and I wasn't sure if the ideas if, if there was enough there to, to really grasp onto and when I revisited it I realized that it, it's, it's a film that takes a while to settle in in terms of of how much it draws you into uh, animal consciousness it's not a film that anthropomorphizes as the life of a pig you know and it's not a National Geographic type of thing there's no music there's no voiceover or anything instead it meets animals on their own terms and as you spend time with them you start to understand that more and then there's this heart-wrenching finale which we shouldn't spoil but But i will say that the director um who shot this with with um an ra mini camera and um had had an elaborate set with uh, camera holes so that he could put the lens inside the the barn that he built and and he had tracking shots and he had you know, elaborate sound design. And it's actually, if you can see it in Dolby Atmos, I hope Neon, which picked this up, I hope they do play that yeah. angle on it. They must see the It's a little bit like there. Roma in a weird way. I mean, it's got yeah, that no, I mean, level it's... of fake sound well, also, so that, it's that becomes the soundtrack i mean if you want to get and i'm sure neon sees this if you want to get more than just the diehard cinephiles to commit to go see this movie it really needs to feel like a consistent theatrical experience because it's not it's not there's no real narrative to it it's like pigs and cows and chickens you know for 90 the narrative minutes. what's interesting about it is that the pig that he cast who he describes as the Meryl Streep of pigs our our uh, our gunda um is so charismatic that when she turns to the camera at a certain key moment and emotes straight at us it works like you wouldn't believe and so, so he earns it he earns his, his emotions there the other the other black manipulating and- them the other black and white non-narrative feature that I I really loved in a festival this year, and I didn't know that it would that I was going to be as positive on it, was Last and First Men, which is uh, you know the only feature that Johan Johansson directed before his death in, in 2018. The composer. Yeah, and and what's so fascinating? But did you get a chance to see this? No, thing? I didn't. This is one I of those cases where they didn't have press screenings, mm-hmm. and and I didn't figure out how to get a ticket. Um, so you know, next time I come, I'll be a little on. I was, I, I think I alerted you to that film. Uh, it, it, it well, it's something I was interested in. Yeah, it's uh, and we premiered, premiered the trailer, and we've heard about it. And the thing is, it's not exactly new because he had what it is is it's based on a 1930 um, speculative sci-fi text uh, and sort of like a letter from a distant humanity to its past as as uh, before the end of the world and he he's taken the text it's a Tilda Swinton voiceover and he's used these old Yugoslavian um 
sculptures their World War II memorials, essentially, as the visuals and written a score around it. So he had actually had this performed with a live score a few times, and they've turned this into a feature. But it's almost like it's like Koya Niskazi type of, you know, cosmic experience, but also guided along by this science fiction storytelling. So it's just a really singular kind of cinematic experience. I don't know what kind of life it'll have in the U.S. Hopefully somebody figures out a way to kind of get it to travel around, but it was a really terrific, uh, rewarding thing. To so this was um, the Oscar winner Hildur Goddard's uh, mentor. He exactly. yeah, studied with him. And he did so. Theory of Everything. That's he did right. Man. He's carrying on I his... Mean, his did, work. And he did Arrival, and there is a kinship with Arrival in this movie quite to, to some extent. So that was really gratifying. And we should talk about Pinocchio. What a, what a su- nice surprise Pinocchio. That's was. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the movie where I sat there in this big theater, not knowing what to expect, really. Although, Because, uh, honestly, Matteo Garone is, is a filmmaker who can go deep into realism with, with, you know, he can be completely naturalistic or he can go all the way to having, um, someone like, uh, Salma Hayek, you know, eating a live heart with blood all over her face. I mean, he goes, he can be operatic and he can be naturalistic. This is on the operatic scale and it is gorgeously mounted. The, the cinema, the cinematic visuals are awesome and it's up for like 15 donatello awards in italy yeah, and it's it already be. been a it's, big it, hit too c- costumes production design and the uh makeup effects so you have the cg pinocchio the wooden puppet at the middle of this thing but all the other characters the fox and the snail who i found hilarious the tuna fish. Uh, i was just laughing tuna fish. i know it's just really <laughs> funny and sprightly yeah, and amusing it, it's on a continuum warm. with other stuff that garone's done in a really interesting kind of way like it takes tales of tales what he did with that film which didn't totally work all the time but then it also no. takes stuff like reality you know that kind of dark fairy tale storytelling that he hinted at there and puts it on a bigger canvas. I thought it took a little while to get going, but once it does, it's like the kind Roberto of... Roberto Benigni is lovely as Geppetto. Which is funny because he also played Pinocchio 20 years ago. Right. But but I asked, one of the things that, that I think is worth acknowledging about this movie is that even though it was a hit in Italy, it, it presents a very uh, unique challenge for the U.S. because on the one hand, it plays like this family-friendly kids thing, but it's not family-friendly. There's some dark stuff that happens to Pinocchio. It gets Neither into, was like, the original Disney animated film. Well, yeah, it was, it was a flop 70 when years it first ago. Opened. I mean, that was a long time So ago. it turns people into donkeys and, and it puts puts uh, you know puts people into the, the, the body of an enormous him. fish. Really you know, it's really him. dark and really nasty, and it's view of human nature is pretty pretty dour but he's a plucky little creature with a long nose and he perseveres um that's the problem though people uh, the buyers clearly are confused about how they would sell it and to whom yeah it's too bad netflix has their own pinocchio coming up because that would be the perfect answer disney's got a zemeckis one so which is live action so it, 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 this is the first Apple, of three. Apple should pick yeah, this that's up. Exactly. <laughs> Apple needs to get in on They can beat them all to the punch. But, you know, it's also, Amazon. <laughs> it's, it is a, for, a quote unquote foreign language film. And, and even in a post-parasite world, I do wonder if that is another consideration that might figure into all this. You don't want to watch a dubbed version of it. I, I certainly wouldn't want to. But One of the weird things about this um, being here at this moment, uh, it's unusual that that the Barrel Anale falls after the Oscars. Yeah. So the big talk of conversation 
topic of conversation was uh, Parasite and how uh, much of an impact it could have um, in the marketplace. <laughs> I heard somebody and joke, I, like, are the, all the buyers going to go to the Hong Sang Su film in the hopes that uh, they can get another career? Right, yeah, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't hold up your hopes. But, but, the, but the point is, is that you don't come along with an art house commercial breakout global hit every day and uh bong joon ho did something very special and it's not easily duplicated yeah, and, and it hasn't Ken been found itself, here yeah it will, will not necessarily i mean we'll have time to look at this but how much is it beneficial for ken to have everyone looking for quote unquote this year's parasite if you know so this is not day. a great time of year for a major festival it, it comes after sundance which picks up most of of the best of the american stuff and it was a good thing that they decided to book sundance anyway because that's some of their strongest stuff but it comes before can and and therefore the material that i mean if if the philippe garel was a strong movie it would have gone to can Right. Well, I think that that's, I mean, this was a challenge for a long time. It's a challenge in terms of timing. It's a challenge in terms of, you know, anything that is a can type of movie having a rationale for going somewhere else. The Grell film is opening shortly afterwards. Also there, I think that, I think to me, Berlin has an opportunity that to distinguish itself from can by showcasing films in, in prime slots that are satisfying, but don't necessarily benefit from a can competition slot, which invites a different kind of scrutiny. So for example, Tsai Ming Liang's film, if you like this filmmaker's movies, which are almost non-narrative, very slow, you know, that, it, it's, it's a satisfying work. It's called Days, and it has no dialogue. You know, it's about a bond between two characters in a hotel room. And I think that people who who appreciate his work will like it. And, and putting it in competition in Berlin is a, a statement about the kind of caliber of films they want in there. But to put it in competition at Cannes, you would annoy, you know, 2,000 journalists, and there would be walkouts and stuff. So that is also something to think about is, is what can you do in an environment like Berlin that you can't do? At can and and I, it seems like that's sort of where the logic is is going here. So we'll see how it how it plays out. But um, you know, it's not it's not the worst place to be relative to other. People. Well, on that note, well, before um, we let you go, so you're going to go to Greece and go off the grid for a bit. And I really hope you make it back to the U.S. because I, I know it's a little a little scary out there right now. How, what's the mood from from what you're hearing? Well, people are really trying to figure out. Um, what the what the reality is i was talking to a woman last night who isn't going right back to korea you know she's been on the road she's been traveling and she's going back to new york um and she's going to stay away from korea for a little while so people are making decisions like that i thought when i was coming here as i'm sure you did uh that europe was uh kind of a virus-free zone. Well, that's obviously not the case. Uh, there, there, there are a lot of cases in, in, um, in Italy and, and it's obvious that it's going to be spreading, uh, inexorably everywhere eventually. And we have plenty of cases back in California where I live. So, yeah, um, it's not, anywhere. it's not like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to continue on my merry way and, and, uh, have my vacation and, uh, hope, hope it all works out. Hey, if you have to stay on the beach in Greece a little bit longer, there are worse places to be, right? Fingers crossed that doesn't happen, but <laughs> find a way to make it work. So, 
Anyway, so we're gonna take a break, right? You, you'll be, you'll be, we'll be taking a. I'll be back, back in a couple of weeks, and I'll be on the jury at the Thessaloniki Film Festival, looking at lots of documentaries. And um, I will see you all uh, in mid March, and uh, we will be back on 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 track. All right, safe travels and enjoy the rest of your time in Berlin as well. Thanks, Eric. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.